As of right now, it appears that five-star edge rusher Dylan Stewart is playing it by ear when it comes to making an eventual commitment. How does this affect South Carolina's coaching staff? You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank y'all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcast daily. Dylan Stewart, the five-star edge rusher out of Washington, D.C., is probably one of the most coveted targets for South Carolina's football coaching staff in the 2024 cycle. And for very good reason, Dylan Stewart is rated as one of the best prospects in the country, irregardless of his position. And South Carolina is looking to continue to do damage in the DMV region, an area that has been so kind to Shane Beamer and his assistants to this point in their time in Columbia. But Dylan Stewart, based on Sarisa comments, apparently isn't in any rush to make any decision. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even have a general timeline for when he could make his commitment. And that could either be a good thing or a bad thing for Shane Beamer and his staff, depending on how things play out. Now, regarding the comments that I just referenced a couple of seconds ago, there was a quote that Dylan Stewart's high school football coach, Mike Hunter, recently gave to Sports Talk Media Network's Phil Kornblut in an interview that he did with him just a couple days ago. And this quote that I'm about to talk about regards Dylan Stewart's timeline for his eventual decision. Mike Hunter said, quote, I think he, meaning Dylan Stewart, probably is going to take it all the way through the season. He just wants to make sure he's making the right decision and not rushing to meet someone else's timeline. He wants to do it on his time and not feel the pressure to say he's going to do it in the summer or August, whatever the dates people are looking for. When he gets his answer that he's comfortable with, he'll make his announcement. When he's ready, He's ready. So my main takeaway from Coach Hunter's quote here about Dylan Stewart's possible timeline is that it's pretty clear Dylan Stewart doesn't really have a timeline, that he's essentially going to make his decision when he's actually ready to do so. And that could be at any point. It could be during the summer. It could be during August. It could be sometime after this upcoming football season is over. It could come at any point given point because only Dylan Stewart really knows when he is ready to make his decision. And obviously that's not a bad thing because you want these kids to, you know, take the time to make sure they properly vet through all of these programs. But what does this mean for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks side of things here? Well, this likely means that an agonizing period of time awaits them, whether it is a month or it is like five, six, seven months. Brian Smith, Locked On's new resident recruiting insider, was on my show on Thursday, 
And you everydayers might remember a specific quote that Brian Smith gave regarding kids' timelines and how they affect college coaching staffs. As he said, quote, coaches hate it because they are control freaks, but they have zero control, obviously, over a kid's commitment timeline. So with all this bearing in mind, what are some of the possible scenarios for Dylan Stewart's decision and what it could mean for South Carolina? Well, there's three different options here. Firstly, if Dylan Stewart makes a decision over the summer period, so anytime during June, July, and even the month of August leading into his final season of high school football, in my opinion, that would be great news for South Carolina because I think that Long-term, South Carolina has put themselves in the best position as of this moment to land Dylan Stewart. And here's the other thing. The Gamecocks currently hold the last official visit slot right now in Stewart's recruitment over Georgia and Ohio State. Now, this is also a good indication of where South Carolina currently stands with Dylan Stewart because the fact that they hold his last official visit right now likely means that South Carolina is the program that has set the bar in this situation. And the prospect, in this case Dylan Stewart, is looking to see if other programs like Georgia or Ohio State can match the feelings that he has when he goes to Columbia. So again, if he were to make a commitment sometime in the next two, three months, that would be great news for South Carolina. Now let's say Dylan Stewart makes a decision either during his football season or after the season ends and maybe he gets near early national signing day and South Carolina on their end of things is doing good on the football field. Let's say they managed to get eight plus wins, whether that's seven regular season wins and a bowl win or eight regular season wins, whatever the case may be, that would still be good for South Carolina in my opinion, because yes, while it would hurt them that other teams would get more time and subsequently more opportunities to potentially host Stuart for visits and make their pitch to him for why they would want him to come to their program, South Carolina would still have the long-standing report here working in their favor, and they would still have the clear and perceivable progress on the field to point to as well, even if it means they just simply match their win-loss record from the 2022 season. Now, here's the scenario that Gamecock fans probably don't want to see play out. What happens if Dylan Stewart makes a decision during or after this upcoming football season and South Carolina is in a rough spot? Let's say South Carolina is actually fighting to make a bowl game in 2023 near the end of the season. Maybe the end of the season does not go well. Maybe they actually lose in pretty bad fashion to Clemson and they don't look very good against Kentucky in their second-to-last game of the season. If that all takes place, then I think that things would be more up in the air for Dylan Stewart in terms of the prospect of him going to South Carolina. Because, yes, you would still have the relationship here with Dylan Stewart, and don't get me wrong, that is a very important facet of this recruitment. But... Dylan Stewart is the kind of guy that is going to go somewhere where he feels the long-term trajectory and health of the program is in a good spot. And while I don't think people would be ringing alarm bells necessarily if South Carolina, let's say, went 6-6 six and six or had to fight a little extra hard at the end of the season to qualify for a bowl game, there would obviously be more questions here about the team's long-term trajectory than 
there is right now heading into this summer slate on the recruiting calendar. So, for South Carolina, the good news is, based on what I just went over, the majority of these scenarios could play out in your favor, but there's still that chance that if things go kind of south in 2023, maybe you do take a step back on the football field and Dylan Stewart decides to push his decision out all the way to December, per se, then I think that would make things more challenging for the Gamecocks in this recruitment. Nonetheless, right now, South Carolina should still feel good about where they're currently at, but there's no question that this inconspicuous commitment timeline of Dylan Stewart's is going to have to be something the Gamecock fans pay attention to as his recruitment continues to progress. Now, while that recruitment has been an intriguing storyline for South Carolina's football program, another intriguing storyline has developed for South Carolina's men's basketball program, who just got some really intriguing news about eight or nine days ago regarding a couple of their upcoming matchups in the 2023-24 season. And I'll dive more into what exactly I'm talking about in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. But first, today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. When it comes to clothes, obviously, for a lot of us, we're not really all that complicated when it comes to what we wear. We want clothes that are going to fit really good on us. We want clothes that are going to feel comfortable. And we also, in a lot of cases, want clothes that we can wear to multiple events or that we can wear for multiple different types of outings. Bird Dogs is the perfect short when it comes to fitting all this criteria. Think about this. We're getting ready to get into the heat of the summer, which means we're about to get into peak grilling season and for all of you guys who are looking for a pair of shorts that you can wear while you're outside cooking your brats cooking your burgers cooking your steaks whether it's memorial day weekend or the fourth of july bird dogs are the perfect short for you because you are going to be comfortable and it's going to feel like that you're honestly probably not even wearing anything and that's the best kind of short that you can possibly have in your arsenal for the summer months when out there and cooking for you and your friends and family. So go to birddogs.com slash college right now to get the best shorts of the summer today in Bird Dogs. And when you enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order that you make. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you to all of you everydayers for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecocks sports coverage. If you want to become an everydayer of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, then you can feel free to give us a follow wherever you get your audio podcasts daily, or subscribe and click the bell on YouTube for future alerts and notifications on future shows from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. All right, let's talk about South Carolina's men's basketball team and a new tournament that they're going to be participating in this next season. As it was announced back on around May 10th or so that the Gamecocks are going to participate in the inaugural Arizona tip-off tournament this upcoming basketball season. They're going to be in this tournament with three other teams, and those three teams are DePaul, Grand Canyon, and San Francisco. 
Now, for DePaul in South Carolina, they're obviously traveling a long ways to go and participate in this kind of tournament. And when looking at these teams, it's a bit of a mixed bag in terms of the competition. DePaul has had one winning season in the last 16 years in their program history. Not a really good stretch that DePaul has been on in recent memory. Grand Canyon, however, has been on the opposite of the spectrum. They have made the NCAA tournament in two of the last three seasons and are led by former Vanderbilt head coach Bryce Drew. So there is a connection here between Grand Canyon's head basketball coach and South Carolina in terms of previous matchups. And then the last team, the San Francisco Dons, not the 49ers, they made the NCAA tournament two years ago under now current Florida coach Todd Golden. And they were two wins away in their conference tournament this past season from making it back to the NCAA tournament. So my few takeaways from this piece of news here regarding South Carolina and the Arizona tip-off tournament this next season. Uh, I feel a little bit indifferent, honestly, about South Carolina going out to a tournament in Arizona. I gotta say, I don't really see a ton of positives, at least in terms of off the floor. I will get into a couple of them in just a moment. But regarding recruiting, South Carolina does not really recruit outside of the Southeast. You do have now Lamont Paris' connections to the state of Ohio that could work into your favor. But South Carolina, for the most part, they recruit the state of South Carolina, they obviously like to recruit the Atlanta metro area in the state of Georgia, and they'll bounce around a little bit maybe to North Carolina and Florida, depending on the prospect, and recently, Lamont Paris has shown that he's not afraid to go overseas and recruit some prospects from Europe, so... South Carolina's footprint, besides obviously what I just mentioned about going over to Europe, it's very concentrated in the southeastern U.S. So you're not really going to get anything going all the way out to Arizona where you have little to no connections in terms of the West Coast. However, this stretch of games could help the Gamecocks in one aspect off the floor. It could help solidify team camaraderie. This is the kind of trip where obviously the guys are going to be spending a lot of time together at the team hotel, doing team events, and obviously going through practice and going through all these games. They're going to be here for probably two, three, four days. So this basketball team is going to have a chance to really form closer bonds between individual players and the entire group as a whole. And while the Gamecocks are returning a decent amount of players from last year's squad, they've also got a lot of new faces for this year. Obviously, you got Miles Stute, the transfer from Vanderbilt, BJ Mack, the transfer from Wofford, Stephen Clark from the Citadel, Taylon Cooper from Minnesota. You do have some pretty important pieces here that you added in the portal that are going to be main fixtures in the rotation or starting lineup for you this upcoming winter. So, this stretch of games in this tournament will be good for the team in terms of trying to get closer off of the court. And then the last takeaway from this tournament being released is that South Carolina is going to be tested here for the most part by their competition. Again, Grand Canyon, San Francisco, they have both made the tournament in the last two years. The big dance that is in March. So both of those teams, they're going to challenge South Carolina. And in my opinion, if South Carolina, considering the fact it will be early in the year, can just split those two games against Grand Canyon and San Francisco, I think that'd be a win for South Carolina. You do that and take care of business against a DePaul team 
that seemingly is not a great spot right now, then I think that is a good overall takeaway performance to have from this tournament. But nonetheless, facing teams like Grand Canyon and San Francisco, obviously that's going to help South Carolina in terms of any sort of postseason resume they may have near the end of conference tournament play. And it's going to automatically better prepare them for SEC play once they get to that in late December, early January. So again, feel a little bit indifferent about the fact they're going to Arizona, but there are definitely some pluses to take away from going to this kind of tip-off event here in Arizona by facing teams like Grand Canyon and San Francisco, and also having a chance to get the team sort of out of the state of South Carolina, but also let them be close together in a tournament like this one. All right, now let's switch gears to a different sport now. This time, the one sport, or major sport at least for South Carolina, that is in season with South Carolina's baseball team. As the Gamecocks are set to play their final series of the regular season as they're going to be taking on the Tennessee Volunteers in a doubleheader that starts at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Friday afternoon. And of course, they'll hope to get both those games in plus a third game on Saturday. Now, there's obviously been a lot of questions regarding South Carolina and the potential outcome for them in terms of where they're going to be slotted in the postseason bracket here. I think that South Carolina still has a chance to be a regional host. They did a lot in the first half to two-thirds of the year to put themselves in a great position to be potentially a national seed, a top-eight national seed, I should say. That is, at this point, out of the question. There's no chance that that's going to happen, unless they just go on some wild run to end the regular season and then the SEC tournament. But if South Carolina can win this series against Tennessee, then they might have a good chance to make sure that they keep a regional host spot in the NCAA regionals. In terms of injuries, a quick reminder, Will Sanders will not be playing again this weekend. Eli Jones is going to be the starter for game one. After that, it's a bunch of TBAs. Mark Kingston is going to keep his cards close to the vest, and honestly, I don't completely blame him for that. I would probably see Jack Mahoney playing in game two once again or starting game two and then game three be up in the air. You know, Matthew Becker, he has had sort of some up and down performances. Last weekend, though, I thought it was one of his best games of the year against Arkansas on the road, nonetheless. So it could be those three guys once again. But still, I think that's smart for Mike Kingston to play some gamesmanship here considering what all he's had to deal with in recent weeks. Now, an interesting note before I get into Tennessee's team and what South Carolina needs to expect here. The Volunteers are 2-10 and 10 on the road in SEC play. So this is not the Tennessee Volunteers that you saw this past season. Now, I say all that, Tennessee has really been hot in the past few weeks or so. While South Carolina has been in the gutter trying to work through a ton of issues on their side of things, Tennessee has been the exact opposite. They have now gotten back into the top 25 and depending on what they do over the next few days and week and a half, they could end up working themselves back into being a regional host potentially. So trust me, this is a big series for Tennessee as well for similar reasons in a way. So let's talk about Tennessee's team itself, starting off with their pitching staff. Tennessee in conference play has seven pitchers who have pitched nine innings or more. And from that group, they have accumulated an ERA 
of 4.54 and a 3.14 strikeout to walk ratio. Now, this same group of pitchers that I'm talking about has given up 38 homers, 48 doubles, and 5 triples. That's an average of 1.4 home runs and 3.3 total extra base hits given up per SEC contest. So overall, Tennessee's pitching staff tries to overpower their opponent and pound the strike zone, as evidenced by the 3.14 strikeout to walk ratio. And their pitchers seem to do a pretty good job of commanding their pitches. But the issue is, because Tennessee pounds the strike zone so much, they also end up creating a boomer bust scenario for the batter, where the batter is either going to strike out swinging, or if they make contact with the baseball, then the ball might be flying a pretty good ways in the ballpark. And the other thing to keep in mind is Tennessee's pitching staff has a lot of right-handed pitchers. So because of that, batters like Dylan Brewer, Gavin Casas, and Will Tippett all need to have really solid weekends. Will Tippett, at the minimum, needs to continue to be serviceable, which he has definitely done in the past couple of SEC series. I have to admit, in terms of that matchup, I'm worried about South Carolina's batting lineup because lately, they have been overpowered by almost everybody seemingly that they have faced. They did not do a very good job attacking Arkansas's pitchers this past weekend, besides one or two really good innings. So, I gotta say... For South Carolina, it might be one of those weekends where you see some really ugly at-bats, but you also see some at-bats where, you know, they get a double or a home run by just making contact on the baseball. I could see that being the case. My question is, can South Carolina have enough innings where they string multiple quality at-bats together, getting walks, sacrificing guys over, getting some big hits every once in a while? They have got to do that this weekend. If they don't, then Tennessee's pitching staff just might eat them alive over the next couple of days. Now, for Tennessee's batting lineup, there's a big piece of injury news here to note as well. Star player Jared Dickey is unlikely to play a big factor in this series. He's got a shoulder injury he's dealing with right now. He will not play probably in Game 1. Could be available for Games 2 and 3 based on what the Volunteers have been saying on their side of things. And Jared Dickey, he's been the heart and soul of this batting lineup throughout conference play. Possessing a 3.77 batting average, a 1.027 OPS, and having hit 6 homers and batted in 23 runs in conference play. The rest of Tennessee's batting lineup has hit 38 homers in 27 games and possesses a 1.74 strikeout to walk ratio. They've also only attempted to steal a base pad 16 different times, while their opponents in SEC play has averaged 53 stolen base attempts. So when looking at Tennessee's batting lineup and summarizing how they play, they are a more tame and effective gorilla ball type ball club who can draw their walks and hit for power at the same time. The other thing for Tennessee's batting lineup that South Carolina is going to have to be concerned about in terms of a strategy perspective, Tennessee has got a lot of lefties in their starting lineup. So South Carolina's pitching staff, which possesses for the most part right-handers, with the one main left-hander being Matthew Becker, they're going to have to use more inside and down-and-away breaking balls along with some outside and high-cheese-type fastballs 
to keep these Tennessee batters off balance. Otherwise, it could be a bit of a rough series for Sapcon's pitching staff. So, all in all, I know I've sounded like a bit of a Debbie Downer in terms of Sapcon's overall chances to win this series. I think they definitely still could because, look, Sapcon does have home field advantage. They have proven to be a really, really good ball club here in Founders Park. And the team, I'm pretty sure, understands that in terms of trying to host a regional site, if they want a guarantee of being able to do that in the postseason, they have to win this series. There is no winning just one game and conceding the other two to the Volunteers. You cannot do that. I think what this series is going to come down to at the end of the day is, again, if Sapcon's batting lineup can bounce back after what happened this past weekend and hold their own against a very powerful pitching staff for the Volunteers. If they can, then I think Sapcon has got a very good chance to win this series. If they cannot score and produce runs, then I feel like Tennessee has a great chance in their own right to win this series. So, 50-50 coin flip, depending on how, in my opinion, the batting lineup responds after what was a lackluster series of performances this past weekend against the Arkansas Razorbacks. With that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I bet y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts on South Carolina football target Dylan Stewart not having a set commitment timeline and how it could affect South Carolina's coaching staff. What are your thoughts on this tournament that South Carolina's men's basketball team will be playing in this upcoming season? And lastly, how do you view this upcoming baseball series against Tennessee? Do you think South Carolina can find a way to finally get themselves off the mat and win this one? Or do you think it's going to be tough sledding for Mark Kingston and his ball club once again? Let me know your thoughts on all those topics down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube. Or, if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at a lion underscore SC. Once again, thank y'all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. Have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. <laughs> <laughs>